Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new monthly edition of the Capital Ideas Podcast. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes today. American Funds Distributors, Inc. The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Carter Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com. Our guest is James Abate, Managing Director and Chief Investment Officer at Center Asset Management. So it's good to remind listeners here, James, it's push and pull in the markets. On the one side, the negative side, the yield curve deeply inverted, and another weak manufacturing report. On the other, it's the picture that the stock market is seeing peak inflation, peak Fed hawkishness, better earnings, and at least at the moment, fewer recession concerns. It's a sort of crystallized uh, conversation like Morgan Stanley on one side, J.P. Morgan on the other. Uh, what, how do you see it? Do you, do you see a muddling through option? It's possible if we're able to avoid a severe recession. And, you know, the real question we all have to ask ourselves is, did the stock market bottom in June or is this just a bear market rally? I Again, I think it remains to be seen whether or not the recession, which likely began in the first quarter of 2022, um, you know, is going to have the depth that uh, past recessions have had. But I think one thing that is very important to point out is people's uh, belief that the Fed, you know, I think always said that one of the most dangerous statements is don't fight the Fed and that the Fed easing is omnipotent. The problem is that it's an asymmetrical meaning, meaning that it's good advice to temper bullishness when the Fed is tightening, but not very good advice to get bullish when the Fed is easing we're simply done raising rates due to the lagging impact of Fed policy. I mean, some of the worst market drawdowns have occurred when the Fed is easing and lowering rates, 2008, 2009, 2001, 2002 being examples. All right. So, so g- g- given all of that, James, David here, by the way, I mean, it's hard also not to be invested, I guess, if, if the, I mean, even if the assumption is even the closest extreme, the most extreme, uh, say, recession on hand, perhaps with that exception, where do you want to be exposed right now in this equity? Where do you want to accumulate? We remain, you know, fully invested. However, I mean, one of the, the gifts, I think, has been that we saw the VIX fall below that psychological level of 20 last week, and today it closed at or near that level. You know, we frequently employ tail hedges, protective put options on our American funds. And last week, we actually reintroduced them on the entire notional value of our underlying stock holdings. You know, it, I always say it's uh, you buy flood insurance when it's sunny outside. And we continue to feel that the, the year 2000, 2002 analog is the most appropriate. And when you look at back at that period, there were three episodes, the fall of 2000, summer of 2001 and late spring 2002, and the VIX fell below 20, but the market thereafter fell to new lows, sometimes sharply. So we're staying fully invested, but protected against that kind of trap door risk-off drawdown episode like we saw back in July 2002 and other moments in time. I wanted to pick up on the last thought you ended on in in terms of just downside protection uh, might be valuable for a lot of people out there. I'm just looking at price, S&P up, what, 17 18%. Give us a sense of how expensive protection is right now and where you want to protect yourself, at what level. 
Well, I think you want to protect yourself for a deep drawdown. I mean, right now you could get almost 20% out of the money put options on an S&P 500 with a six-month maturity for essentially 1% of the net asset value of underlying holdings, which is very attractive. Again, mm. you know, using the analog that you want to buy flood insurance when it's sunny outside, when volatility is this, at these levels, that is the opportune time to hedge if you feel that, indeed, there's the potential for those kind of trapdoor environments uh, uh, in terms of drawdown on the horizon. So, again, I think that's how you want to basically use opportunity. But that being said, I, I'm of the belief that volatility is in a new regime. Um, in that sense, meaning that the historical trigger to potentially loosen or sell uh, options is when the VIX has reached 35 over normal market cycles. I think uh, I think 45 is the new 35. And in terms of, uh, you know, downside, you know, 25 is the new 20 to a certain degree. But this has been, I think, a, uh, a technical rally within a bear market that has provided an opportunity for risk-aware strategies like ours to be able to use hedges while still maintaining a fully invested posture. It seems hard to believe that this Fed uh, wants to, to do what Volcker did. Uh, they, they seem to be a, a bit more dovish than, you know, what Volcker eventually had to be. Uh, is it possible that the Fed is already less aggressive? Because we are, the market is already talking about 50 to 75, not 75 to 100. This Fed cannot be Volcker-ish. Um, it's impossible because, you know, the amount of interest paid on the national debt was, you know, $560 billion or so dollars last year, including government transfers. Um, you know, that alone is 20% of what income taxes were for the fiscal year 2021. But the, you know, the, the average interest rate paid on the debt in 2021 was 1.5%. So if the Fed actually genuinely wanted to be Volcker-esque, uh, in terms of what it wanted to do with interest rates and get near the CPI level or even near the PCE level, it would simply crowd out all other spending. And there, there is no appetite to basically yeah. reduce defense spending, Medicare so, spending, or anything else and, or blow out the budget at this point in time. Yeah, that, that's very idea, uh, real. Uh, on the ideal side, um, did Volcker get too much credit? I mean, it was a deep recession. Millions of people tossed out of work. Yeah, I mean... He crushed inflation, and some people say that it ushered in decades of steady growth and low inflation. But didn't globalization and technology play even a bigger role in that? I agree 100 percent. People forget, you know, farmers, um, you know, coming with mass uh, tractor demonstrations in Washington, D.C. in the early 1980s, uh, factories, the car factories shutting down uh, because of the, uh, you know, the uneconomic environment from interest rates, housing markets just simply collapsing. You know, everything always looks nicer when you look back in history, uh, you know, whether it's a deep recession or going to basic training. I mean, these are things that, you know, people always have to look back on. And at some point, and Elizabeth Warren had a, a, a editorial in the Wall Street Journal talking about this very fact. At what point do we sit here and say, uh, do we want to, you know, basically destroy growth for the benefit of inflation? Um, you know, it's solely to basically take into consideration mistakes that may have been made in the past by the Fed to rectify. So that takes us into the, almost the core question 
I mean, is is a recession necessary, yeah. or or how do you define what might be necessary? Let's put it that way, because I don't want to get stuck in the concept of a recession. Because technically, I mean, yeah. let's call it you know spade a spade. It was two quarters of contraction, wasn't it? <laughs> That's right. And I, but the the trend is continuing down. And if you look at forecasting mechanisms like ECRIs leading indicators, the ISM, um, they're all pointing to recession that we're already in the recession and it's potentially going to be getting deeper. And if you start to look at the things that, you know, are eminent from a recession, profit margin, compression, um, layoffs and others, I think we're probably one or two quarters away from that happening. I think the one thing that could be the saving grace is that, um, and what could allow a quick exit from a recession is the low level of tangible capital investment this cycle which historically has been an overhang on top of elevated inventories. This cycle, most of the excess and excess investment went into intangibles, which simply go up in smoke, leaving losses, you know, but little excess capacity. So that, uh, you know, NFT of a monkey is probably not going to sit there and be excess capacity at some point in the future. Okay, I no. said I wanted to bring it around to China. Um, we have very, very uh, low confidence in consumers now and you know, housing crisis. And, you know, there's a lot of uh, policy involved in this. Uh, I raised the, the notion of it being an own goal in our conference call earlier, and I mentioned that just before the break. Uh, what do you think? I mean, should we read that China's weakness is mostly self-inflicted and maybe doesn't spread as much to the outside world as some think? I think it needs to be monitored very closely because the real estate market, which is really the source of the problems, needs to be monitored um, because it's a key component of internal growth, particularly as you know the reopening uh, and easing of travel restrictions, although pointing positively, are not in a strong enough direction to overwhelm what's happening in real estate. And from that perspective, you know the Fed should really be sending gift baskets to the PBOC in China which has helped to do its own job in depressing commodity prices and input costs. Um, so we're going to have to wait and see, though, if lowering rates and the, the sharp move downward in the uh, offshore one is something that uh, you know, does trigger a, a more risk-averse move by Chinese investors, both in real property and in the stock market. So at the end of the day, though, this is positive in helping the Fed, but from a global perspective in terms of growth, it's definitely something that needs to be closely uh, looked at. And simply from an asset allocator perspective, and I guess it, this really also depends on what your mandate is as a fund manager. I mean, just generally, what do you think about the pricing in this Chinese market? Well, equity market almost distressed, credit market, don't get me started, right? I mean, is, is, this, uh, is this almost an opportunity of a lifetime here? If you believe, of course, China will eventually get itself out of this. You know, one of the things that we've been doing, and we do have a globalist and infrastructure strategy, and we have been actually uh, adding to various... Chinese stocks, Alibaba, on the just pure, you know, valuation perspective and turnaround. Uh, but I think most of the opportunities in some of the real asset sectors, utilities, water, and other things are things that one needs to potentially, at least if you're gaining a foothold in China, where you want to go first because very strong dividends. And I guess if we could go back to, you know, how quickly is the U.S. economy uh, decelerating. Uh, I think even the stock market acknowledges a slowdown, but they're thinking slowdown, not recession. Uh, how how quickly do you think the downward push is? The, the real issue, and with regard to the stock market, is um, 
you know, will the aggregate drop in revenue and profits overwhelm the benefits of potentially lower interest rates or the Fed just simply easing up on, on tightening? I think you always have to just step back. You know, remember in terms of valuation of the market, a P.E. ratio is a function of interest rates. Well, the lower, the better, and growth, the higher, the better. Um, you know, lower declining growth can overwhelm you know, interest rates. And we still think that, you know, the peak in the market back in January 2022, you know, in terms of valuation measures that, that exceeded the extremes back in 2000 is not going to simply end in a whimper. And uh, we're going to likely see a significant derating forward. And only if we're able to have a very quick reversal of recessionary conditions will that potentially not occur. And we could essentially achieve you know, the elusive soft landing that no central bank in the world has really ever been able to accomplish. Yeah. I think we got to go, David, unfortunately. Good session here with James. Uh, James Abate, uh, thank you very much. Managing Director and Chief Investment Officer at Center Asset Management. The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Carter Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers, and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights, and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at CutterEconomicForum.com.